Paratooth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Since the fall of man, a war has raged between good and evil. Over the centuries, this war has distorted the truth. Now the truth is perceived as lies, and lies acknowledged as truth. To this day, the battle continues as we investigate and debate the truth behind the history and mystery of the universe. We are Paratruth Radio. Bigfoot is one of the most elusive cryptids out there. There are movies, books, and even eyewitness accounts of this creature. And sometimes, a movie that comes out that makes you a believer. Now, now Paratruth presents the Bigfoot Chronicles with special guest, Tom Monson. Hey, Parafans. Welcome to another episode of Paratruth Radio. This is Justin. I am flying solo today. Unfortunately, um, Eric is out for a couple months. But uh, he will be back after shooting the revealed and a couple other movies that he's helping other people with. So I wish him the best of luck and, uh, I'm looking forward to his uh, impromptu return. But tonight uh, we've got a great guest on, Tom Monson, who did the movie Bigfoot Chronicles. And this is a movie that is a, it's a fictional movie that is kind of shot in a documentary style film. So uh, we are going to go to the line here with Tom Monson. All right, Tom, welcome to Paratruth Radio. Okay. How are you, sir? Hey, it's my pleasure, and thank you very much for having me on. Uh, I'm great. I'm always great. I always say that any day this side of the dirt's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I would say so, most definitely. So uh, before we get started here, uh, I wanted to give you a chance to sure. uh, uh, tell everybody where they can find you, find the Bigfoot Chronicles, all that great stuff. Um, yeah, if you go to BigfootChronicles.com, um, uh, in one of the pages there, we'll tell you where you can find the movie. Uh, it's available at Walmart. Uh, some Walmarts have sold out of it, uh, but it's still available at some, so I would check there. Um, also, if you are a member of Netflix, you might put it in the queue to see if uh, they'll pick it up. It hasn't been picked up by Netflix um, but it's on uh, Amazon Play. I mean, it's just uh, Amazon Prime. It's just all over the place. But the best thing is go to BigfootChronicles.com, and uh, there's a, just a, a place, uh, uh, one of the pages you can turn to that will tell you where to find it. All right, awesome. So getting started here, what uh, kind of gave you the idea or initiated you to start doing this movie? Well, Actually, the, the idea goes way back. It was like in the early 70s. I had gone to a, um, a nightclub called Charlie Brown's out in um, Marina Del Rey. And uh, my cousin and I went there to meet girls or do whatever, you know. <laughs> just doing studs, hang out, and uh, drinking. And this guy walks in, and he's a curmudgeon, and he's a... Probably about, probably about five to seven or eight, uh, gray beard, wearing, and, and a, a nightclub and we're, we're all decked out in our leader suits and all stuff. <laughs> and uh, so he comes in wearing a sandal shirt. And, uh, you know, I, I just was really intrigued. I've always been a people person, so I, I just watching this guy and I just had to open out what, what, what his story was, and so I, I, I've always been journal. So I walked up and I said, "Hi, my name's Tom Wilcher." And he goes, "Well, my name is Wally." And, and he took very, very slowly, and he goes, "Well, my name's Wally." And uh, I said, "So, you mind if I join you?" He goes, "Okay." And he gets really sweet smile on him. Finally, he's just really nice guy. 
And so I said, so what happened? He goes, uh, well, I just came down here to, to be my children. I got up in Oregon. Uh, I said, oh, wait up. He said, well, you get my number back. And then my cousin, who was sitting there, he was kind of the joker. Well, do you see? This is this is a Patterson fit. Okay, so it's being talked about, and there's a lot of interesting. And uh, you know, the guy just stares at my cousin and goes, "And what if I did?" He goes, and I, and I said, "Listen, you got to tell me about that." And so he he tells a story about ours. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to Oregon, but man, they are there are some deep dark forests up there, and they oh, were yeah. they were logging. And, yeah. and he and he came back. He's driving his truck back, and he, and he comes up on a tree that's laying across the road. And so you know, and that's not that unusual of an occurrence to see a tree laying across the road. But so he, so he stops the truck, pulls his chain out, and pulls the pulls the, the tree out of the way so he can get by it. He's taking his chain, putting it in the back of the truck, and he said he looks up and he sees this Bigfoot coming right at him at a dead run. And he said he didn't know what to do. He just froze. And so this Bigfoot comes like you know maybe ten feet away from him stops and gets right in his face and he just screams and he goes whoop 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 and this this and I mean but it was you know I don't have enough vocal cords to make it sound like it really sound but he uh, uh Wally you know Wally said he said it just scared the Jesus out of him so uh then the Bigfoot sat there and yelled at him just for a second and I'm calling the yell but he was whatever you want to call it. And so then he, the Bigfoot turns around and he runs away. And then he stops. He gets about 20 feet out and he stops. He turns around and he runs back to Wally and he does the same thing. Like he was trying to tell him something. You know, like there's some urgency or something. Mm-hmm. And Wally said again, he just froze. You know, we talk about, you know, stress will cause us to fight fight or flight, right? Mm-hmm. But they don't have the final, the third F, which is freeze. And that's uh, that's what he did. He was, he was sitting there and then the, the Bigfoot turns around and runs off again. But this time, Wally figures out that he can get to his truck and take off. And so he did. And the Bigfoot chased him down the road. And, you know, and, and you know, uh, listening to that story, he told it with so much detail and so much passion and so much, you know, genuine inflection I believed him. I totally believed him. And at that point, and so that was that was the first seed that was planted. Okay. So uh, fast forward to 1990, and I'm working in film. I'm doing documentary film for educational purposes, and um, I start working on a film with uh, uh, that, that deals with substance abuse. And so in 1992. My son was killed by a drunk driver, and so that totally destroyed me as as, as a human being. I, I want to tell you that was a catastrophic event that that I, I still have not recovered from, and I and I never will recover. And so it really alters. And and why that's important is that you know I decided that I was going to pursue a career of making documentary films about substance abuse. And so that's what I did starting then. And then in 1989, I'm sorry, in 1999, somebody was telling me about another Bigfoot encounter. And then it just flashed back to Wally and all that stuff. And then this other guy was, was up by the, the, in Cave Junction, there's a national, there's the, the state, Oregon caves and it's a, it's a national park and it's just all these awesome caves, but there's been a number of sightings of Bigfoot up in that area. And so they were telling me about that. And so I just said, well, you know, I think maybe I should make a documentary film because I've done all these documentary films and I, and I really, I've, I've done 13 films about substance abuse and, you know, I, I was kind of tired of that. And so I decided I wanted to do something else. And 
so you know, I kept I kept working in the in the substance abuse field, but I started thinking about doing a documentary film about Bigfoot, and so I started gathering information at that point. And whenever I do a documentary, you know, I put a lot of research into it because I don't want to do anything like all my drug stuff. I don't want to do anything that's going to possibly hurt anybody else, right. and I'm not going to say something that that is not true on anything that I do. You know, I, I don't I don't care about sensationalizing anything. That's not why I make these films. I make these films to help people understand certain things. Well, you know, so I'm doing all this research. I met this wonderful woman named Linda and um I call <laughs> I, I uh, her name is Linda Coyle Suchi and she wrote a book called Who's Watching You and it's a very popular book about Bigfoot encounters. Well her and I spent a lot of time talking on the phone. She lived up in Washington, I live in Oregon and and so we spent a lot of time and so she told me about her family and how they had an encounter with a, with a Bigfoot family, and they, they said that they're very smart and that she lived with her grandmother and grandfather. And so as I'm putting all these pieces together, I'm, I'm composing this movie in my head. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I decided that, you know, if I did a documentary, it would have to be at least an hour and a half long. And to do an hour and a half documentary is an amazing thing. So I decided that what I was going to do is I was going to make it into a feature film and follow a narrative of a, a story that somebody can follow and then insert all the information as we go through the story. And that way it's easier to follow. It has a plot. People are interested in the plot and they're interested in what's going on in the movie. And then we can give them all the information. So when I say that Bigfoot Chronicles is based on, on factual accounts of sightings of Bigfoot. So everything that we talk about in that that movie is actually occurred, and um, you know. So as, as we're developing this thing, um, in 2010, I started to write the script for it. And so again, I had this in my mind, and I it, it involved suicide and all kinds of different things. You know, things of social interest and things of, that we need to have some, you know, social change on. You know, there's a number of suicides; there's just way too many gone. And so I put that piece in it, and then then this movie kind of morphed into this R-rated film. And I was thinking, you know, I would like for my granddaughter to be, and who was five at the time, I would like for her to be able to watch this movie. <laughs> And I sure didn't want to make an R, so I put that one, you know, so I put that one aside and I started over again. And, you know, there's an old saying about movies, their screenplay is not written, it's rewritten. Mm -hmm. And so five (laughs) versions later, I actually come up with a one one that I like, which is the one that we produced. And, you know, and, and it's about this filmmaker who has lost everything that's important to him. And he's just kind of going through the motions of living his life. And then all of a sudden, he's approached by this coalition of, of, of Native American uh, Indian tribes um, that want him, specifically him, because he's a good good documentary filmmaker, to go up and do a documentary film about Bigfoot and maybe catch a, you know some shots of Bigfoot. But they want to do that so they can pre then the clear cutting of their forests, you know, their sacred lands. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen, and, and I'm sure if you're, you know, around the woods ever, you're going to see clear cut forest. And I'll tell you what, it's the most devastating thing that you could ever do to a forest. Now, for example, did you know that some trees will only grow at certain elevations? And if you vary that elevation by more than 20 feet, you know, some of these mountains are right, what, 100, you know, uh, 10,000 feet high. Right. And if you vary the tree growth by more, that specific species of trees by more than 20 feet, it won't grow. And so, I mean, these forests will stay devastated. And I mean, with global warming and everything and all the, 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 the forests that they're taking out all around the world, we need to preserve these things. And so there's this little clear message in there about 
you know, clear cutting as well. So I kind of wove that into the into the story too. And um, so these Indians, uh, Indian tribes, they contact our guy, and he and he says, you know, listen, I'm not interested in doing. Um, a movie about Bigfoot because I, I don't do fairy tales. Yeah. And so he's very clearly, he doesn't believe in Bigfoot. And, and, you know, so they, so they actually make him an offer that he can't refuse. And so he goes up to this place in Oregon called Jackson Hill where he meets this girl named Susan who's working with him on the project. And so all of, you know, sparks fly right away and there's some interest there. And so he starts interviewing these people about for the documentary, right? And so one of the people he interviews is, guess who? Wally. And so Wally, so this story, Wally tells as part of the Bigfoot Chronicles. But there's also other stories that have, you know, kind of come down through the ages about Bigfoot being a Lemurian, for example. I don't know if you're familiar with Lemurians, but apparently there's a a continent located beneath the Pacific Ocean called Lemuria. And the mystical brotherhood rules Lemuria. And, you know, these Lemurians believe that, or some people believe that Bigfoot is part of the mystical brotherhood. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that they talk about in, in this interview with this guy, uh, also there's, there's conspiracy theories that are brought out through these interviews. And the fact that Bigfoot's an alien is also brought out, that he has mind control and different things like that. So a lot of these things are explored. Some of them, I got to tell you, are pretty funny. You know, one of the things that people really like about this movie is there's a lot of humor in it. Okay, and it's not it's not poking fun at the whole Bigfoot concept. Right. It's just having fun talking about Bigfoot. Right. You know. So, so that was our, that was our main intention. In fact, on on BigfootChronicles.com, you can see uh, there's a one of the pages that says, uh, let's see, reviews. And under reviews, it's got um, uh, there's a picture of a little kid with sunglasses on it. If you click that, then you can go look at what some of the um, uh, focus group said about the movie when they first watched it. And they all loved humor. And there were a lot of young guys. And as we do our research on this, I found that you know, our our target audience on this, the people who like this the most, are males from 45 to 60. And I, I, I can't tell you why. <laughs> well, I think I can. Because there's, there's a love story in this. And this is what kind of the thread that carries it along. Right. And so the girl that played uh, Susan is very pretty. And, you know, so that, that really helped make the, the story more palatable to get all this Bigfoot information, right? Mm-hmm. So, um uh, let's see. So, so anyway, I was, uh, I was, you know, we're, we're coming up to the point where Rock is doing these things, and then he, and the, the hero's name is Rock, and um, he's doing all these interviews with all these these interesting people, and then he meets this doctor named Joseph Klein, and, and Joseph Klein is the antagonist, and he's the guy that doesn't believe at all in Bigfoot, and he's he's always taking the negative side and the uh, on the argument that you know there is no proof. You know, you know, and all that stuff that goes along with the people who don't believe you, right? And so that, that so, so we pre- actually present both sides of the story on this. And so it comes down to the fact that, you know, Wally tells uh, Rock where he could actually go find Bigfoot. And so Rock mounts an expedition and he goes up into the mountains with Susan and Dr. Klein and Dalton, who is the representative of the Indians, and uh, the cute camera person, camera operator named Smitty. And so they all go up in the mountains and they have some interactions and, it, and it's just it's just a fun little adventure story. And they go on the expedition and that's, that's the story itself is the expedition. I won't tell you anything about that other than the fact that, you know, it's a good time, and you know, um, and I won't even tell you how it ends because I don't want to ruin it for anybody that hasn't seen it. Right? Yeah. People do like it; they like it a lot, and and you know, <laughs> and that's of course that's why we made it, right? So people could learn about Bigfoot. And I want to tell you that you know there is not a curse word in there, and there's no violence, and it's just a story about sticking to your guns and being persistent and doing the right thing. And that's that's what it's all about. And I I made it so my granddaughter could watch it and and gain something from it. Awesome, awesome. 
We'll take our, uh, our first break here. Uh, folks, you are listening to Paratruth Radio with special guest Tom Monson. We're talking about his movie Bigfoot Chronicles. We will be right back after Eric's Random Fact of the Day. Now, Eric's Random Fact of the Day. The following comes from jfklibrary.org. Did you know that while Kennedy was serving in World War II as commander of the PT-109, his boat was hit by a Japanese destroyer and his crew was stranded in the Solomon Islands? Lieutenant John F. Kennedy carved his coconut shell with a message and gave it to two natives to deliver to the PT base at Rendova so he and his crew would be rescued. He later had that coconut shell encased in wood and plastic and used it as a paperweight on his desk in the Oval Office. The message carved under the coconut shell reads, Noro Isle, Commander, Native Nose Posted. He can pilot, 11 alive, need small boat, Kennedy. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, folks. Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. I've been talking to uh, Tom Monson about his book, The Bigfoot Chronicles. Now, Tom, one thing that uh, caught my attention uh, when watching the movie was the uh, main character, Rock, says to Dr. Klein, prove it doesn't exist. In other words, Bigfoot. Uh, but it kind of applies kind of to any cryptids or even uh, the Bible or God and Jesus Christ and all that. And it kind of struck me because my co-host Eric comes from a Christian view on, on a lot of the topics we discuss. Um, in that line in particular, did you think about anything that it would apply to other than just Bigfoot? Absolutely. You know, I, and, it, and it goes back to my, to my belief in God. Okay. Now, I was, I love documentary films because you can learn so much by it. And I was watching a documentary film one night and it, it was talking about the universe and in the universe, the guy said, and I can't remember his name, but he's the little Asian physicist guy, nuclear physicist, whatever his name is, you might remember it, but, um, he, he was talking about the universe, and he said, you know, the universe is so vast and so big and so huge that there are things in the universe that we can't even comprehend. And then the lights went on for me. And that's the same way it is with God. If, if, if you know, God is, is omnipresent and, is so, and he's so huge and he's so big that there's no way that our key brain, our tiny little brain. You know, look at the size of our brain compared to the universe. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't even show up if we saw it on a piece of paper. You know, and, uh, and we're trying to rationalize something with our tiny little brain that has no understanding about much, you know, about something that's, that's so amazing and so big. So it's like, okay, prove to me that God does not exist. Prove to me that Bigfoot does not exist. And actually, I can, I can tell you that people have actually proven that there is Bigfoot. And, you know, but if I came out today and said I have absolute 100% proof, you're going to believe it 
or you're not going to believe it. If you're inclined to not believe it, there is no proof that I can present to you that's going to make you believe it outside of showing you the actual carcass of the Bigfoot. And even then, you're going to look at it and you're going to go, well, that's not, that's not real. That's a, that's a hoax. That's something, you know, so you're not going to believe it if you're, if you have a tendency not to believe things. They actually have found up in Oregon, they found a, a carcass of a Bigfoot in an Indian, uh, a dump site on the coast up outside of Coos Bay. And it was eight feet, almost eight feet tall. And it was furry and it was just like everything that's described the Bigfoot. And so the Indians found it, and they burned it. And it was like, you know, okay, but the, but there was enough people. Teddy Roosevelt, the former president, I mean, he believed in Bigfoot. He 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 wrote wrote about it in one of his uh, one of his uh, oh gosh, that all off the top of my head. But you know, I mean, so there's plenty of really credible witnesses. I have a. a, a Guy that I know, uh, a psychologist up in Grants Pass, that actually watched a Bigfoot watch his family. Now, I don't, I don't know why we haven't seen more Bigfoot, but you know, I totally believe they're out there. My son took me up to a a site, and he's an avid hunter. Now, I've never been one much for hunting because I grew up in LA, and you know, we don't. Yeah. The only thing we hunt down there was girls, but. <laughs> You know, my days of that are way past me. But, you know, um, he, so in one of his hunting expeditions, <clears throat> he ran across the site that we called the Boneyard. Mm-hmm. And the Boneyard is um, uh, an area about the size of a half of a football field. If you went from the 50, 50 yard line to either goal, then, you know, and you made that like squ- that size of an area, then that's helping the Boneyard yard is and we found all kinds of bones in that in that area we found bones of bear we found bones of things that we couldn't identify we also found some cows and one of those bones one of the bones that we found was a femur and the feet and this thing was probably about two and a half no maybe two inches in uh, diameter and uh um, you know, it was, it was snapped and it, it had a, it, it was just snapped and we found the two pieces to it. And a friend of mine, it was a friend, it worked at the forensic lab, the Ashland, the animal forensic lab. It's one of the nationals leading, national, uh, leading uh, forensic for animals. And, uh, uh, I was talking to the, the, the corner down there and he, and I said, so what, what is this? He said, well, this is a femur of a, of a cow, a full-grown a full-grown cow or a bull. And he said, this is the femur. And I said, so what, what do you think could have broke that? What? And, he, and he goes, I have no idea. <laughs> because it wasn't in a place where, where it would have fallen. It was, in the, it was like in a meadow, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, I, I said, so how much, what, what would be the tensile strength? In other words, how much pressure would it take to snap that bone like that? And he says, you know, that's got to be upwards of 10,000 pounds. Wow. And I said, so so any ideas? He goes, I have no idea what could have snapped that. But, you know, one thing we found in the area, you know, and this is another indication of, of, of Bigfoot activity, is about six or eight feet off the ground, we found a lot of trees, little saplings that might be three or four inches in diameter that were just snapped. And, you know, it was too high for any, like a bear or anything to do it. And, you know, so, again, this is a pretty common thing that we find in Bigfoot sightings. Um, I'm just trying to think what else um, in the boneyard. So, I mean, that was pretty scary. So we, we spent the night up there, and I heard some odd things. Just sounds. I heard noises that I'd never heard before. And you smelled something that was just disgusting. And so we felt that there was some Bigfoot activity in the area, even though we didn't see anything. Well, I think one of the biggest things for anybody who does research on the Bigfoot or doesn't believe in the Bigfoot, one of the biggest things is that uh, the Bigfoot has been hoaxed so many times. Right. And I can't remember the name of the guy, and it's probably a good thing, but there was a guy that had this 
hoax that he had put together where, you know, and as soon as I put word out that I was producing this movie, I mean, he was all over me. And, you know, he wanted to get involved, and I said, nah, I don't think so, you know. So, uh, um, there are a lot of hoaxes and a lot a lot of people make stupid movies about it and stupid videos about it just 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 for laughs. I mean, but people will kid about all kinds of crazy things. Um, say it even if I do, but you know we have to to be very careful because you know whether it's true or not. You know, if if somebody believes something, you you should at least give them the courtesy of respecting their beliefs. Right. You know. Um, and, and part of the thing that, that I, it's the same thing with, with God, you know, it's like prove that God doesn't exist mm-hmm. and you can't, you know. And, and so my point about that was that, you know, in order for you to absolutely and 100% with 100% certainty say that there is no Bigfoot, then you have to be God because you have to be omnipresent. You have to know everything and see everything all at the same time, every place. Because the stories that I've heard and what I've read about Bigfoot is that they migrate hundreds of miles a year. And, you know, it's like during the summertime and whatnot, they might go up to, up to the, you know, the northernmost parts of Canada where there's, you know, it's remote. You know, there are hundreds of thousands or, or even millions of square miles of unexplored territory in the United States, places where, you know, people have never even been. And so who, who's to say that, that it doesn't go up there and, and live up there, you know, on one of the things that, you know, one of the, the, the studies that I found is that, you know, that a Bigfoot, you know, was discovered. And so he didn't come back to his area. And that's that's kind of what we talked about in the movie, too. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And one thing that I love that you did yeah. with the movie was that you brought your own life into it as well as your research. Of why people like it, you know. I guess maybe because, you know the older because you know, and it's like you know. And again, I don't. Well, yeah, you know, it was basically, you know, I, I interjected my life into it because I lost my son, and I and I knew, and I could play that part because I knew, I knew what that felt like, you know, and. You know, when I, when I, it was about me and my discovery of, of Bigfoot and all the different things that went along with it. You know, but I was going to tell you that one of the things that, you know, <laughs> that, that happens when you make a movie, you know, maybe, you movie has, they have about a million working pieces. And, you know, it was probably 2012 when I had everything put together for the movie. I mean, the script and everything was ready to go and so I started scheduling you know and as I'm scheduling this you know I'm I'm trying to get investors in the movie you know we discovered that half of the people in the United States actually believe that there's something to to this big you know so that's a big number and that's that's one of the reasons why it's the movie so popular, I guess. But um, you know, so anyway, it's 2012. I got the script. I'm doing. I'm doing all, all the scheduling. I got to line up the crew. I got to get the equipment, the locations, the stuff all scheduled, ready. Well, that that that's summer in in probably. Probably um, maybe August. I was driving home one night, right? And a car was coming at me, and it had its bright lights on, and and it almost blinded me. The bright lights and the bright lights are hard anyway. But I, I mean, this was more than normal, and so I started noticing. I said, "Well, I better go check." Check it out, and I don't know what's going on. 
so so I went to you know I went to the my eye doctor because my vision at night was was affected, and uh, he refers me to a retinologist because my eye doctor said that there was a little spot on my retina and he he wanted me to check it out just to be just to be to be careful you know to be cautious and so I went to the retinologist and he said yeah you have um, a melanoma in your right eye in my left eye. All my life, I, since I was a little boy, I, I couldn't see very well on my left eye because I have a thing called amblyopia. And amblyopia is just simply, and they call it lazy eye because you don't use it. And then when you don't use it, you know, you, you lose it. So I didn't right. have, the, the optic nerve was not connected correctly to my left eye. So if I were to cover my right eye and I saw you across the parking lot or I saw you at 50 feet away, I wouldn't be able to tell who you are, even though I could with my right eye, but not with my left eye. So I have this recognition problem. And, you know, so, I mean, at that point, I, I had to make a choice. You know, I could either, because I had done all this preparation work, I had everything lined up, I had the dates, I had the locations, I had everything ready to roll. And, you know, if I would have put that off, I know that I, that I probably wouldn't have gone back through it again because it's just an immense amount of work to get all that stuff lined up because you got to get the locations, you have to have talent releases, you have to have property releases, you have to have the equipment lined up, you have to have the crew lined up, you have to have all the materials and all the craft services and all the different things, that the million pieces that go into to making a movie. And I had those all ready to start shooting. So I decided that even though I wasn't feeling very well and I was, you know, I was, I, I hopefully I was on the mend that, well, I was at the point, but I didn't know it. And, you know, so I just decided to go ahead and shoot the movie. So a lot of times as we're going through the scenes and we're shooting the scene, I, I had to wear glasses. But we would start shooting the scene and the glasses were still on when they were on. So we had, to, we had to go back and shoot several scenes over again just because nobody picked up on the fact that I was wearing glasses. And so it becomes very difficult to direct a movie when you can't see. But right. I, I did. The first, the first half of the movie, I, I directed it, and you know, and it was all coming out pretty good. And then about halfway through the shoot, uh, three key players, the key grip, my director of photographer, and the producer came to me and said they wanted to renegotiate their deal. And I said, well, this is certainly is not a very good time to renegotiate because we're halfway through the production. And I said, and besides that, we've, we've signed on the deal and they, and they, and they were insistent. I said, no, you can't, I'm not going to renegotiate this with you. Finish what, do what you said you were going to do and live up to your contract. And, and they all didn't want to do it. Now, the thing that, that people don't realize Making a movie sometimes is a 14 to 16 hour a day deal. I mean, some of the night scenes that, that are in the movie, you know, when, he, when we're around the campfire, that's three o'clock in the morning when we're shooting. And we probably started shooting the, the morning before at probably seven o'clock. And so I mean, we're, we're going, we're working from seven to three the next morning. And so I told those guys to pound sound. I said, I'm not going to pay you guys more. And in fact, you're all fired. And, you know, I just figured, well, I'm going to go, because I'm, I'm in the industry in Southern Oregon. I'm one of the bigger players. I know a lot of people, and, you know, I produced probably 30 documentaries altogether, maybe more than that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I have a lot of, a lot of connections, and so I, I just fired them on the spot. Well, and I and I went to talk to a friend of mine, um, a fellow by the name of Calvin Kennedy, and he runs uh, Freedom Productions in Southern Oregon. And in fact, he's, he helped me produce my first TV show and we were nominated for an Emmy on the first TV show that I produced. Oh, so, wow. so we go, so yeah, that, that was like a 93. So we go way back. So I went to him and I said, Calvin, I, I really need you to help. And he said, what do you want? And, 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 and to come in halfway through on a movie, nobody likes to do that. Nobody wants to come in and direct something that's, Right. Pick up for somebody else, and but I finally I, I begged him and talked him into doing it, and and he he did it more as a favor to me because of our history, and 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 then he came on board, and so we we picked up the production again and started working, and and, and actually there were parts of the movie that were filmed in the beginning half that were like at the end, and you know so because you, you don't film a movie chronologically, you film it. 
based on locations and based on number of different factors. And so there's one scene that, that came very close to the end of the movie that was filmed at the very beginning of, of when we're working together. So, so Calvin came in and Calvin's a wonderful cinematographer and a great director. And we shot some of the most beautiful scenery that you'd ever want to see. I mean, the place where we went up into the mountains around Medford, Oregon, there's just some gorgeous stuff, some waterfalls and rivers and lakes and just, just amazing scenery. And a lot of people, you know, in, in Japan, we had a lot of people in Japan that love the movie because of the scenery that we shot. And, uh, so we've had some really good feedback from actually all around the world. Um, and so Calvin picks it up and, you know, <laughs> and as happens often, and when you have to replace a crew in the middle of the stuff, you know, I ran out of money. Oh, and, oh yeah, yeah. And so, and so we, so, so in order to finish the production, I, I sold my car, I sold a bunch of my guns, I sold some jewelry that I had. And, you know, so I finally was able to raise enough money to, cause I could, I didn't have time to go out and raise money. So I just sold that stuff, and I figured that would be the easiest way to do it. And I was able to raise enough money to get it finished. And so then we started. Uh, then we started uh, working on the editing. And during the editing process, I came up with another case of cancer, but in this time it was prostate cancer, and you know that took me out for a few weeks as I dealt with that and mm-hmm. the recovery and everything like that. But and I'm and I'm happy to tell you that I'm you know the cancer in my eye is dead. The prostate's been removed. So uh, at this moment I'm cancer free. I'm knocking on wood right now. Right. Yeah, I would be too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so you know it's 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 just a, an amazing journey to get this thing done. And we finished it about March of 2014. And. You know, from there until March of 2015, the real work had to go to be done. I had to find somebody to distribute it. And we finally ended up with New Kingdom Pictures and through Alchemy as, as their distribution arm. You know, so we've been able to bring it out to, um, to the marketplace and, and, and it's been, so far, it's been really good. You know, and, and I, I, I pulled up my website where you can find it. It's like BigfootChronicles.com. And it says where to find Bigfoot Chronicles. It's on Amazon Prime, Google Play, Microsoft, Sony, Vimeo, Voodoo. Um, you can also buy it on Amazon. or you can. And I've seen copies of it on eBay already. And actually, I saw copies on eBay for more than the actual price of the video, the suggested retail price of it. So it's been very popular. Uh, and also on the website, if you go to BigfootChronicles.com, the main page, uh, right down, right, right near the top is a, you can watch the trailer. And, um, you know, so, you, so anybody wants to see, get a flavor for the movie, you know, it's, 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 a, it's an adventure movie and it moves along pretty fast. And, um, you know, there's also that, where it says uh, under sample footage, there's some interviews that, that that are part of the movie, and then the reviews you can watch it where the you know the, the focus group uh, actually commented on it, so you can see what people thought of it too. Um, you can stream it through various places for like four ninety nine or something like that. And uh, then, uh, let's see, it's about the movie. It's a, a seg- segment that just talks about what my goal was to make the movie. Um, so, you know, it's been it's been a real journey to get it done. It's actually took almost 40 years <laughs> to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but I didn't work on it the full 40. <laughs> 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 probably, but I probably have five years of, of hard work into this thing to get it to the marketplace and to get it to where people can watch it. Because, you know, I, I wanted to, whenever I go to a movie, when I was a little kid, you know, my brother used to tell me these stories. And, and we would go, and he would tell us about these adventures, you know, and, and different things and, and just little scenarios. And he would read to me and stuff. And, you know, to me, that was some really great time. So what I wanted to do was just to take somebody on a fun adventure that's not all bloody and not all gory and doesn't, you know, use a lot of profanity. And, you know, I've been known to swear once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> a lot to make it into the movie. <laughs> but, uh, 
But, you know, I just wanted somebody to be able to sit down with their family and, and watch it and learn something about Bigfoot. And so that's that's what we've done. All right. Well, we are going to take our next break here, folks, and you're going to hear your okay. paranormal headlines. We will be right back. And now, Paratruth Radio's Paranormal Headlines. Hey, Parafans. Justin here with your Paranormal Headlines. These headlines are from unexplainedmysteries.com. Man Speaks Venusian in Vintage BBC Clip. The bizarre footage shows a man demonstrating his multilingual skills to a perplexed Patrick Moore. Legendary astronomer Sir Patrick Moore was best known for presenting the long-running astronomy series The Sky at Night up until his death in 2012 at the age of 89. But what most people probably don't remember is his stint at the helm of BBC documentary series One Pair of Eyes in 1969. In one episode, which was entitled Can You Speak Venusian, Moore interviewed Bernard Byron from Essex, a free thinker who believed that he could speak in several extraterrestrial languages that had been communicated to him from the planets Venus and Pluto. In this vintage clip, Moore can be seen attempting to maintain a straight face while asking the eccentric pensioner to demonstrate the bizarre languages both in verbal and written form. Live pterosaur filmed flying over Idaho. A recently released video claims to show what looks like a dinosaur flying over the United States. The controversial footage, which was allegedly recorded over Boise and Idaho by a perplexed onlooker, captures the moment the prehistoric flying reptile was spotted over the area. Sightings of large-winged creatures have actually been reported several times over the last few decades, with the legend of the Thunderbird still alive and well in Native American culture. Famous cases include that of two cowboys who in 1890 allegedly killed a gigantic bird-like creature in Arizona which had smooth skin and a face like that of an alligator. Cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman has also written extensively about a series of Thunderbird sightings that occurred in the 1940s. There was even an incident in 1977 which three young boys in Lawndale, Illinois were pursued by two large birds. As they tried to escape, one of the boys was allegedly picked up by one of the creatures and carried over a short distance before being dropped again. As for the new video, while it certainly looks impressive, critics have argued that it could very easily be a computer-generated hoax, and very little is known about the background of or circumstances. The chances of it being an actual pterosaur are remote, to say the least. And this has been Justin with your Paranormal Headlines. This was a segment of Paratruth Radio's Paranormal Headlines. folks welcome back to paratruth radio my name is justin and i've been talking to tom bronson about his movie bigfoot chronicles tom i wanted to give you uh one last chance to uh tell everybody where they can find you and find the movie since we are coming close to the end of the the interview here right okay well bigfootchronicles.com uh, you can find out everything you want to know about the movie. Uh, you can find out where to see it. I mean, there's just a, a number of different places where you can watch it. It's still, I, some Walmart still have it. Uh, if they don't have it, you can ask them for it. Uh, I mean, that would be a great way to go out and own a copy of it. Uh, you also, if you go to the where to find page on BigfootChronicles.com, at the very bottom it says click here for director's cut with poster and soundtrack offer. Uh, that poster that I talked about of the Bigfoot walking across, you know, uh, a clear-cut forest, that kind of represents what the movie's about. And um, it's actually, you know, we've had some pretty good success off of that. So, 
Awesome. That's the, the main place to find it. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we uh, hope to maybe have you on again sometime soon. Yeah, that's my pleasure, and thank you very much for your for your interest in this and 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 your and your kind words. Thank you. All right. Have a good night. All right. Have a good night. Thank you. All right, folks. That was Tom Monson, who uh, did the movie Bigfoot Chronicles. If you guys have not seen it yet, definitely check it out. It's definitely a very interesting movie, very uh, down-to-earth kind of movie. And, you know, as you heard, he does put a lot of truth into this this fictional movie. So it was kind of a fiction-slash-documentary movie. So um, that's about all we got for you guys this week. As I said, Eric is out for a while, so uh, I am running solo for a, a couple of weeks, maybe even a little longer here. So next week, we have on Richard Astep, author of In Search of the Paranormal, The Hammer House Murder, Ghosts of the Clink, and Other Disturbing Investigations. Going to be a great show, as always. So definitely stay tuned every week here. On that note, my name is Justin, and I will talk to you guys next week, same time, same channel. And as Eric would always say, peace. If you enjoyed this episode of Parachutes Radio, and you would like to listen to it again, or are interested in listening to any of our past episodes, then you can listen to them on HD at our website, parachutesradio.com. And you can also find us at Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker, and YouTube. And of course, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for brand new updates of our show every day. fans want to get weird with us come check out the mad scientist podcast we are a weekly show that looks at the history philosophy and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions did the government really pay for a psychic spy program yes is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing yes can a roller coaster really kill you Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes... Yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast.